Hey friends, welcome to episode 117 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. Thank you so much for listening in today. And today's show is really, really important. We are talking about finances. And we're all called to be good stewards of what we've been entrusted with, right? So I want to ask you a question. Are you proactive or reactive when it comes to finances? And what do you think are the most common budget busters? Well, the good news is that we can all become debt-free and experience financial freedom. And this is something that my guests, which are going to be Miriam Neff today, and then next week, her daughter, Valerie Neff Hogan, because these two ladies are a mother and daughter team who co-wrote the book, Wise Women Managing Money, Expert Advice on Debt, Wealth, Budgeting, and More. And these ladies teach us how wise women can find financial freedom. And this is really cool. Miriam is going to be my part one episode, which is airing this week. And then Valerie is going to be my part two episode that is airing next week. And I think it's going to be amazing when we hear the perspectives from these two ladies. And I know what Miriam has to share today is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Miriam Neff. But first, listen in to this message from Access More. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am so excited today to welcome my friend, Miriam Neff. Several years ago, she came and spoke at a women's event at our church. It was an event for widows, and she is a friend of a good friend of mine, Pat Jacqueline. So Pat said, hey, let's get Miriam to come, and that was just an amazing event, and women, I think, are still talking about it. It's just, it was really good. And so I am able to have Miriam on today, which is so cool. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her. She's the founder and president of Widow Connection, which is a not-for-profit ministry. And she's the author of 11 books, including From One Widow to Another, Conversations on the New You, and Where Do I Go From Here? Bold Living After Unwanted Change. She's a counselor by profession. Bible study teacher, seminar and conference speaker, and she's a mother and grandmother, which I love. And she also sponsors sewing projects and bakery training for widows in Africa and Albania. Now that is a fierce calling right there. And her and her daughter, Valerie Neff Hogan, wrote a book together called Wise Women Managing Money. And we're going to talk about that, among other things. And Valerie wasn't able to join us, but, you know, I hope to have her on the show and we can get her perspective as well. Welcome to the show, Miriam. It's so great to have you. So good to see you again. Several years later, a little different focus. Well, I still do things specifically for widows, but it has branched out 
And one of the results of that is this book, because my daughter, Valerie, being a lawyer and a CFP, so many times women would be coming to me as new widows. Maybe they didn't quite have enough to live on. They were going into poverty. They couldn't stay in their home. Some became trustees of millions of dollars of funds. So they were all over the place with money. So who am I calling? Val, I need your help. I need some advice here. And of course, I loved learning and became the steward of the portfolio that that my husband and I had. So it was one of these things where it's like, okay, who's talking about money? What Christian women are talking about money? Now, there are women talking about money that are secular, Mm -hmm. but everyone talking about money in the Christian world are men, and that's fine. I had a good husband. I have sons. We, we that's, but we see things differently and we struggle differently. And actually most women lack confidence in financial things. So it's like, we're going to do something about that. So here we are and here's the book. So it was one of those things where it met a great passion of hers and her, the needs she sees, and she's involved in generosity giving in a lot of situations uh, with her lawyer CFP stuff. And uh, she has compassion for the women I serve. So it's a book for all women. And in fact, Jerry Jenkins, who endorsed it, and is obviously a guy, said all men should read it. <laughs> but we are women. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I hope that that tool is helpful because we'll get to talk about a little bit in this time. But some people might want more. Yes. Well, this is just an amazing resource for women. And I know that you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect by serving widows in your widow connection ministry and all of that. But this is such an important part of that. I was in banking for almost 30 years, and and I would see countless women come in to the bank, and they had no idea about how to do anything, even write a check. I mean, now this is going back some years, but you know, when you have one spouse that handles everything— And then, you know, they pass away and then you're, you know, like you were bringing up that it could be one extreme to the other, either not enough funds or not knowing how to manage a larger portfolio. So I love that. And I love the name of the book, Wise Women Managing Money, Expert Advice on Debt, Wealth, Budgeting, and More. And I love how it says Wise Women Managing Money instead of wise money management for women. You know, I like how you did that. Well, the the point is our wisdom comes from God. Mm -hmm. And everything in that book is biblically based. We start with you're a steward, you're a Matthew 25 steward, do it well. Mm -hmm. And so that puts that puts the, the thing on our shoulders, not, oh, it's up to my husband. Oh, well, he didn't do it this way. Or wait a minute. We're a steward, and uh, things have changed. Women oversee over 51% of the wealth in the United States now, and soon it will be three quarters. Part of it is because women, like both women, single and married, are working. They're more employed, so they bring money to the table. So they're more invested in, well, there's the bank account. What's going in? They're more invested in it, but also we realize that it's when it's ours to oversee with God's principles, we need to do it well. We can learn anything. You need a fourth grade level math equivalency to manage your money, fourth grade, and a calculator if you'd prefer that. (laughs) So it's something you can do. 
but it's like taking the time to do it. And if you're married and we have a chapter on marriage, sitting down and talking about it and saying a part of loving your spouse is that they know everything about it. Now you can divide tasks, but they need to know. Yeah, such an important point that both parties need to know what's happening with the finances and everything. And I love how both you and Valerie contributed different flavors to the book. And you all have different quotes where it would, you know, it would say, this is, this is what Miriam's saying. This is what Valerie's saying. What parts of the book did you find were most impactful for you when you were writing that part, whatever you parts that you wrote? Well, because I'm a counselor by background, that's my that's where my degrees are, and that's where my work has always been, although I'm retired now. I really got into the writing of chapters like a, a, a budget busters, and one is emotions. Like when you're feeling sad or when you're hurt or lonely, what do you, what, how, what do you do? Well, that emotional thing means go online shopping. If you can have immediate gratification, the, the truck will pull up to your door tomorrow or swipe the debit bank card when you haven't overseen the fact that it's going to be an overdraft, which is $35 a day, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of got into that and about different emotions. And what do you do about that? How do you fill those voids? Now, Valerie, how to pick a financial planner, wills, trusts, I mean, Ross, Iris, she's so we had, we divided up the 26 chapters, 13 for her, 13 for me. But as you know, because you have the book in hand, mm-hmm. one of us would write the chapter, the primary, and then give it to the other. And so there'd be little green boxes in the side where we uh, interjected, like an example, I happen to be negative on annuities because, and I shouldn't, I maybe shouldn't, I'm not going to push that because if you have an annuity, fine. But you're paying someone else to take a risk and they're figuring a chart where they will, their company will make money off of you. And I say, with your good financial planner and your own wisdom, you don't need to pay someone else to do that. And so it's unnecessary. And they have a chart and they figured it out. I give the chapter to Valor and she said, boy, they would have lost money on Methuselah. Methuselah happens to be the man who was the oldest man who ever lived. They would have been paying out money every month. So I thought, oh, Val, that's funny. (laughs) I like that sense of humor there. Yeah. And, you know, what you were talking about earlier, I really love that you had said that you only need a certain level of education to be able to handle your own money. It just takes learning things and learning how to do that from people who can help that God is equipped. So so God equipped you, he equipped Valerie, and then you in turn can equip others through the book and through your ministries and just your backgrounds being so diverse with the counseling background and then also the legal background and the certified financial planning and, and all of that. It just brings such a richness of wisdom from the Lord to this book. It's just amazing. And I like how to you give women permission to be able to handle their own money. It's like God is saying, you know why I entrusted you with this? Because I believe you can do it. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 
it's like God is saying, you know why I entrusted you with this? Because I believe you can do it. Mm. And there were the Matthews 25 stewards were given different amounts Mm -hmm. as are women today, whether it's in married or single or what. But the other thing is the steward who was not commended, put the money in a shoebox. Well, not hit it, but that would be. So in other words, if you're saying, Oh, I'm fearful, I'm not going to do anything. I'm put it in a shoebox or whatever. Inflation will shrink that for you. Mm -hmm. And we, we just are very basic about here's the facts. And we have little definitions in little squares. But I think one of the things, too, that uh, women listening to us uh, in this particular podcast need to know, we start at the beginning. Do you know that you have a spending plan? Oh, I don't think I have a spending plan. Well, write down everything for six months. Look at it. Write everything, even the drive through coffee. Now look at that. You know what? Your spending plan is looking back at you. Do you? you that's what your, that's your behavior. That's your, and then we say, Know it, own it, like it, or change it. If you want to put the book in four little things, know what you're doing and then own it. Oh, that is my behavior. I like coffee, drive through coffee more than I like buttered popcorn at the movie. That's okay. Or you might say, well, I don't know that I want that part of the budget that high because I'd really like a new pair of summer flip-flops more than that. You know, in other words, you, you own it and say, well, that, that's what it is. Do I like it? Does it meet what I want to do? Uh, and we go through how to set it up, whether you're a paper and pencil person like me or a spreadsheet like Val and her husband. Mm-hmm. And so we start right at the very beginning. And for a woman who's already doing that well, she might skip those first sections and go right to wills and trusts or Roths or IRAs or a budget busters because maybe she's feeling some things are kind of having her. Um, I mean, auto pay is convenient, but it can be. I, I had a woman tell me that one of her biggest financial problems was um, ordering online. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so easy because you don't have to pay at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on your credit card at the, and it's like, oops, now I've got it. Wow. Yeah, because writing everything down is really a reality check, and you can really, like you sometimes have no idea if you don't keep track where the money's going, and it really is an eye-opener when you can assess those things and write down every penny that you spend for a certain length of time and start to see patterns, right? Right, and for instance, we have a separate chapter for uh, cars, for housing, for discretionary spending. We have, so like, let's say you're thinking, well, do I want to buy a car? And we take you through what are the costs? It's not just the car. It's the insurance, which if it's new and speedy and sharp, that's going to be pretty high. Mm -hmm. Or if it's an old clunker, you better have some repair money. And then also part of that is like for housing, you might say, well, it's the monthly rent or the mortgage. Oh, a couple times a year of property taxes, maybe every quarter are certain other collections or waste management or whatever. So we kind of take through so that you can say, okay, I thought my housing was my mortgage payment and that, and it fits the 30, 40% of a budget plan. Wait, that's only a part of your housing plan. And, and we say, 
some of those don't come in every month, but it's keeping track of it. And now here's a biblical thing, and you'll excuse me, I grew up on a farm, so I go back to these agricultural things. But scripture says, till your field and then build your house. That means earn money and then spend it. And we say, get a mortgage, hope it's in the future, income goes up to cover. (laughs) And the other says, tend your flocks, take care of your flocks. That means steward your house, steward your card. How's it doing? Your bank account. You're tending the bank account. Okay, it's not like a sheep, but the the thing is God says, watch it, pay attention. And that's where some of us just need to dedicate the time taking those notes of everything spent that day on your phone in the note category or spiral, whatever you want to do. At the end of the week, it'll be a blur. Mm. So that's that's that part of getting a handle on it. So important to what you were talking about, to the biblical aspects of it that we're entrusted with the things that God has given us to be good stewards. And sometimes we may forget that that also includes how we spend our money that he's blessed us with. And and so in the book, you give so many good examples and uh, different ways that women can learn about how to manage their money well. And I would just think this would make great gifts to women, this would be great tools for young women, you know, even teens to start talking about these things when they're younger, because, you know, you get a job when you're young and right away, you just, you want to just blow it on something every time you get paid, you know? Well, and that's an excellent point. And in fact, uh, we know of two sisters who are, I will say, 40-ish and into 50s, and they are studying the books with their daughters, daughter and daughters-in-law there. So there's a group of five. And I think how way cool is that? And Valerie and I talked about that generational thing, but I think one of the things we need to continually emphasize is when it's hard, which sometimes it is, remember it's God's direction. And that gives us our motivation. We're stewards that that's, we have a, like, okay, I would like to be swiping that credit card, or I kind of think I'd like that an additional pair of new summer shoes. Wait a minute, now let's get this all in perspective. My One of my children needs tutoring, and I haven't been able to afford it. What's the value? What's the long-range value? And once we start to make those adjustments, the contentment grows. Oh, it's just God rewards us for just those simple steps of obedience. That's awesome. Yeah. Obedience brings those blessings along. And when you start seeing things happen from the actions you're taking, it's just like, you know, when you're being healthy, health minded, you know, you're starting to eat better, you're starting to exercise, you'll start to see and feel those benefits. And it's like that way with finances too, right, Miriam? Exactly. In fact, we talk about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's a little bit like a diet. One meal that you have vegetables instead of, I like cookies, but anyway, you know, it's just those little incremental things. And here's another encouraging thing about the book. I think at the end of each chapter, we have a thing called thinking it over. And let's say you decide to study this with your small group or your friends or or you you like to do it solitude, that's fine too. But at the end, there are just some things to think about and discuss. 
and kind of um, let some ideas sink into your heart. You know, okay, you've got all these financial plans and numbers running around my brain, and now I'm in a 401k, and I'm going to pick what's going to be growth-oriented. And then it's kind of like, let us let me think down the road, what is my goal with that? And uh, scripture does talk about storing up for the future, not hoarding, we're, we're not, but storing up. Joseph did for seven years of famine. He stored up extra for that. And uh, the rich man that had overflow of uh, product that built more barns for his own selfish, that didn't go too well. So it's it's a hard thing. You know, what is it that we're wanting to do? And Val says, because she works with a lot of generosity issues of people giving companies through a nonprofit organization to their charities and that kind of thing. She said, if we all as women followed what scripture says, we'd never have to have another campaign at a church or or a fundraiser because the generosity factor, you think, okay, I've been given this to steward. What ministries can I look at that that touch my heart that matter? Um, in our family, we have adopted children, multi-generation, different races. So there's things that touch our heart, and it might not be that for someone else, but there are many good places you can give a boost to someone else by generosity. That is such a beautiful picture of the church, of the body of Christ, working mm-hmm. together to further the kingdom to where our dollars can be spent and have eternal significance as well for generations Exactly. To come. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So when like when you donate to certain good God-honoring causes, then one of the things that happens is you pay attention to it. You want to say, how are you doing? Let me volunteer there. That's a great point that you just made because we're investing in something and it doesn't only necessarily mean our money, but it can be our time and our prayers in different other ways that we can get involved. But financially, it's you know wonderful to be able to feel like you're a part of bringing hope to some other person or group of people that really need uh, some hope and to hear the gospel. Well, and for people listening that they're a couple and maybe they have younger children at home, children watch what we do and they overhear arguments about money. Mm -hmm. And if we're generous and we're going places to look at helping deliver Thanksgiving turkeys or whatever, think of the learning they're doing, not by us telling us this is what you should do, but just watching mom and dad or watching single mom prioritize staying on top of the budget. And yes, your friends may have different brands of clothing, but guess what? We have no debt and you have what you need. So it's like the circumstance we're in doesn't surprise God, but we talk about getting out of debt, get taken, you know, destroying credit card debt and that kind of thing. These are just, this is where a lot of people live, where many people live. So let's just talk about it and look at it in the light of scripture. Yeah. That is so important. And that thing about being debt-free, that is a real thing that you can experience, that you can get to if you follow 
the principles that will get you there. And we're up pushed up against this culture that does want to push all the time, you know, oh, buy it now, pay for it later. And then this concept, which is a biblical concept, if we could just get it to the in the hearts and minds of even the younger generation coming up to learn that there's such a thing as saving for something or like, you know, getting ready and prepared for something that might happen so that you can be proactive instead of just reactive when something comes along that you didn't actually have in your budget, right? Oh, exactly. And what we've been through with the pandemics and some of these other, the inflationary things, many people have been really very badly hurt financially by that. But all all planners say you have a three to six month set aside that will cover your whole budget for three to six months. If everyone had had that, there were people that lost their jobs. I have friends that served in restaurants, Mm -hmm. restaurants closed, no income. So if you don't have a backup to cover your month, your rent that month, the next three months while you search around and figure out where can I work? Uh, and the, or the fact that at the gas pump, it costs a third more to fill up your car. These are things that can be devastating. And frankly, it causes a lot of tension, a lot of worry, a lot of conflict in marriages. So that, that again, the till your field and then build a smaller house mm-hmm. <laughs> and take yeah. care of that, take care of the sheep so <laughs> that the sheep is still going to be giving you wool in yeah. six months. Okay, now I'm getting, I'm going back to my roots. <laughs> I love the, I love your roots. And I love how you said roots because when I talked to Jennifer Dukes Lee, because she wrote the book Growing Slow, and so I had her on the show, and she said, I'm going to say roots. Now, some of you might say roots, but it's roots. But anyway, so that was, that was cool Amen. that you said that. What kind of farm did you grow up on, Miriam? A very small, poor farm. In fact, it it went belly up my senior year in high school, but it was beautiful. Southern Indiana has hills and valleys and creeks. And, and you know, um, it was okay to grow up poor. It was okay. And we were not hungry. We didn't always eat really great things. We ate only what we grew. Mm-hmm. So that meant in the winter, the potatoes, turnips, and carrots and onions that were in the cellar were what we ate. <laughs> But, you know, we ate organic because we couldn't afford fertilizer. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. You were way ahead of the time there. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me, too, of, you know, how Paul said he had he's learned he had learned to be content in plenty and in want. And, you know, it's just so important for us to not allow the world to tell us what has value or what makes us a more valuable person because of things that we own or even the things that we do or the jobs that we have, you know, those kind of things. So I imagine that you kind of go up against a lot of those things in the book, right? That are like, we do, we say <laughs> all of this is countercultural. Mm. all of, because there are certain categories, age categories that don't expect to ever pay off their debt. And Valerie's word for that is stealing. Mm. If you're buying something and charging it, and you are planning that some you're going to declare bankruptcy and all that's called stealing. And uh, I like the fact that you keep coming back to that. It's countercultural because Romans 
12.2 says we're not to be conformed to the world. I hope I have it the right location. We're not to be conformed to the world. We're to be transformed. And our value is that God created us, not the brand of clothes we wear or the kind of car or the size of any of that. And our young people so are pulled and pushed so much by that, although I think every age is. And scripture, the most talked about subject in the word of God is love. The second most talked about is money, stuff, and uh, wealth. That's the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Wow. So that's important. God wanted to make yes, a point. It is. God is making a point for us. So, well, I just love all of the things that we've been talking about with financial things. And uh, this book is such an amazing tool. And every woman should have it and read through it and share it with friends and daughters. And, you know, um, just because it, it's like you said, it's the second most talked about thing in, in scripture. So it has such significance. And God wants us to not only look forward to our eternal life with him, but he wants us to live a rich and abundant life here. And that doesn't mean that he wants us to be like rich and live in a huge house and all of that. He just wants us to be able to steward well and then be able to serve him well and serve others well without feeling the pressures of financial burdens, because that is so heavy on so many people right now, that financial burden. And it's unnecessary because God has these specific instructions that work. Mm. It, that It doesn't mean you might not, you won't lose a job, or it doesn't mean that uh, when you pull up to the pump, that gas price is going to go down at that moment. Mm-hmm. I, that's not what we're talking. We're talking about having a plan and he sees your plan and he sees your heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next to the last chapter in the book is talks about kingdom equity. Mm-hmm. God's invested a lot of equity in us and he wants us to spend it well. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean you go out and spend money. It's <laughs> the talents, the gifts, the inclinations that we have. He said, I wired you up like me growing up poor on the farm. Help me be motivated to write this book. There's a blessing right there. Yeah, right there. That's a good word right there. You know what you were saying. And I just, it's just exciting to be able to learn so much about what God says in his word and how his plan is foolproof. Like, like his plan is the way to go. And then you will see the results that are according to his will and plan for your life. Right, Miriam? Oh, so much so. And here's a contrast. You know, Paul said he was content in any circumstances. Sometimes he was going around visiting friends and they were feeding him well and he had a nice, comfortable bed. And sometimes he was going around and large crowds were listening to him. Now, they don't always agree, but he was traveling and doing all these things. But then when he said he was content in any situation, he was in a prison. He was in he was probably in like a hole in the ground that felt like concrete that he was sleeping on. And he probably was eating something that was worse than mushy oatmeal. Mm. And he says, I've learned the secret of contentment in any circumstance. And I'm thinking, Miriam, if Paul can do that, then if I need to go on a spending fast for certain things that I want to do differently in my spending, 
I can be content. Amen. I get good oatmeal. Amen. <laughs> <So>. Right? <laughs> and, you know, I love how you talked about it being a fast. And I think that it's so great to think of it along those lines because we fast from other things or you hear all about like having, you know, a fast from sugar, a fast from certain activities and giving up things during the Lenten season. But what about fasting from spending and things like that? And I think we would find that after you do, you know, how, how they say after you do something for such a length of time, it becomes a good habit that you actually accustomed to and then it's like you're, you're becoming accustomed to handling money well with these great great pieces of advice that you both have written in this book so I love that so much and I wonder too if you could share a little bit also about your ministry and what you are helping the women there in Africa and Albania do that's fascinating well who would say well Lord I want to start a ministry to widows no one would ask for that. But my husband had Lou Gehrig's and went to heaven early, in my opinion. And we had a plan of what was going to be like when we retired and we'd be traveling like I had done with him quite a bit. And I had started to teach at university at night, which I thought that's what I'll be doing daytime when I retire. And then he goes to heaven. Okay. So I discovered uh, 75% of my friendship network went away. Not the Jackwins, by the way, (laughs) the friends, you know, (laughs) Uh, and we lose our friendship network. We, some of us have to move. We sometimes uh, young widows often say the only reason I got out of bed was to take care of my kids because this is not the life they had planned. And our average age is 58, so that's that's younger than some people think. Well, I went to Africa following in Bob's footsteps to see some of the things I hadn't seen him do. And this woman who was his partner there said, you're a widow, come teach our widows now. So I, the, in front of a group with a translator, I opened scripture and I taught them the stories of widows in scripture and how God took care of them. And I realized that night in Ouagadougou, the Splendid Hotel, it's like, I see their need. Mm. I've seen my need. What are you going to do about it? Well, there you go. And now if they go to widowconnection.com and look at global pictures of where we go, these young women in other countries sometimes have to put their children in orphanages because they can't afford to feed them or they become prostitutes. Well, we go and train them in a skill that is self-sustaining And then we go back to visit and they say, our neighbors now say we're lucky. We have our own sewing machine. We give them a machine when they graduate, they can earn money, they can make school uniforms. Or if they're near a big city where there are hotels, they can bake. Mm -hmm. We can give them an oven. They don't use measuring cups. They weigh on a scale. They need a scale. I mean, I've learned so much. And you know what? I love what I do. And I love seeing these women at the beginning and at the end later. I mean, God has a plan. It's it's a good one. Yeah, that is amazing. And what a fierce calling. It's just, it's such a beautiful picture to just, when you're talking about how you do that with the widows and, you know, how you've been teaching them and then they can keep their children at home with them 
because now they're earning enough to be able to raise those children. So that is amazing and beautiful. So Miriam, I would love if you would share with our listener, how can they connect with you and find out about how to grab this wonderful book, your other books, and learn more about the Widow Connection and things that you're doing there? Well, the easiest thing right now is go to widowconnection.com and you can link and there it, it, it will link you with this book to Amazon. That's one way. And but all the other books too. some we sell ourselves and some are online. But I can say it might even be easier for someone to just go to Amazon mm-hmm. and put in Miriam Neff or Valerie Hogan, and they have a nice discount on it now. Mm. And then they deliver. And if you order it, if you go through our website, it's going to take you there also. Mm-hmm. And wh- I've just been saying don't do too much online ordering. Well, now if you want to order books. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to order the book to find out how you don't have to do as much online ordering. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing is that the Amazon discount now is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, that is probably the easiest way, but also at widowconnection.com, you can click on global. We have a website, wise women managing money. That's like a baby right now and has short five minute videos on every chapter. Mm-hmm. So you can go to wisewomenmanagingmoney.com and see a little five minute version of Valerie and I in my family room, which is, it's, it's kind of professional and kind of not. And <laughs> if the dog would, we close the door and the dog has to stay there and thump its tail against the door. It's, like, it's real okay. life, Miriam. We can all relate to that. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> wow, but that's great. Wisewomenmanagingmoney.com or widowconnection.com. Okay, wonderful. And I will have those links in the show notes so the listeners can find you and check all that out. And it's just been such a pleasure to have you on. It's always wonderful to talk with you. And so I hope that I can have you on again sometime. Blessings to you. You have such topics that are so important. And I hope you get Val on and you'll find her to be kind of funny for a lawyer. She's Methuselah. Who would know? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that sense of humor. And so, well, thank you so much, Miriam. And like I said, I hope to have you on again sometime and we can just talk for hours about all these great things but it's just been such a joy and pleasure that I get to see you because I just saw you at the conference and you know after all those years of you you know ago that you spoke at our church so I love that do you do much speaking still um in the church we're doing that again and during COVID it we weren't so much but I'll be at Val and I'll both be at Maranatha Mm -hmm. In uh, Michigan, which is a far play, far away from where you are this fall, we'll be at Moody Church downtown Chicago to do a seminar on this June 4th. So it's uh, things are opening up and we love this. We love doing this. It's it's uh, we love that. But I know that you'll enjoy connect with just Valerie and have her on and you'll find her perspectives. I mean, she's pretty. I'm not bragging. It's not me. It's, she's like her dad. She's a real thinking person, mm. but she can be funny too. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I can't wait to have her on. That is great. And ladies, uh, check that out. And, you know, you probably want to invite 
Miriam and Valerie try to book them to come out and talk about these things because it's such a rich subject for your ladies. And so thank you so much, Miriam. It's been such a joy and God bless you and your family and your ministry. And I just, I'm excited to share about this book. I'm honored that you invited me to join you today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, friend. Okay. Well, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening today. And wasn't that a rich conversation with Miriam? And it's funny how we can use the word rich in different ways, but I mean rich and meaningful and filled with godly wisdom. And I love some of these quotes from the show when Marion said, when it's hard, which sometimes it is, remember it's God's direction and that's our motivation. And she also says that God rewards us in just those simple steps of obedience and reminds us that we're Matthew 25 stewards. And friend, we can actually experience financial freedom and not have to worry about where the next money is coming from or how we're going to pay this bill or that bill. I work in my church office and there is such a need in the community for budget training and helping not only women, men and women, really be able to manage their money well um, without having to have a crisis every single month when the power bill comes in. And so I just love this ministry that these women have. And I look forward to you hearing Valerie's perspective next week on Fierce Calling. So don't forget to share this episode. Women need to hear it. And I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with Valerie and we'll hear her perspective and where she's taking action, where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week. And I'll talk to you soon.